18, verse 44 to 45. And if I could have someone bold um, stand up and read that for us when you're there. Yes, Matthew 13, 44 to 45. Okay, thank you. And what's your name? No. Thank you, Now, Not going to read for us? stand up and you can hold on to the mic uh the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls oh i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry go with 46 as well when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it amen so here is a parable in the body of Christ. And let me. So Matthew, four, Matthew 13, verse 44 to 45 is a parable in which Jesus Christ is explaining how similar the kingdom of God is to two specific parables, okay? So number one, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field, okay? So he knew that there was something valuable in that field, okay? And this reminds me a lot of what I do when I go to like clothing stores or if I go to like Target and I see something that I really like, but for whatever reason, I can't buy it right in that moment. Like, has anybody ever done that? Like you take it and then you go hide it in a completely different department. Like you'll take a pair of shoes and you'll put it like where the tomato sauce is, or you'll take something that you really want, but you'll put it somewhere that nobody else will find it. Because even though you don't have the means to purchase it in that moment, you know you want it and you don't want some else to get it and because it is so valuable to you you are willing to hide it so that when you come back it will be available to you right how many of you guys have done that let's not let's not make me feel like I'm crazy you guys have guys you've never done that I mean we're in church nobody is lying okay well then you guys have never seen something in the store that you value or you treasure maybe it's just a girl thing but it is a thing right and it happens because we see something that we love or that we cherish or that we value so much, okay? Today, what I wanna talk about is committing to Christ, committing to this walk, committing to this relationship with our God in such a way that you see it as one of the most valuable things, if not the most valuable thing in your life, right? There is absolutely nothing in this world that is as valuable or that is more valuable than this walk that we have with Christ, right? Because Jesus Christ came and he gave his very own life for us, okay? Had it not been for Jesus Christ, I want you guys to understand and recognize that we wouldn't be here today. And I don't mean that quite literally, so maybe physically we'd be here today, but the trajectory of our life, the end result of our life would not be good, right? All of us were headed towards death, eternal death, right? Eternal separation from God. But because of the gift of salvation, because Jesus Christ came and died for us, we have that opportunity to live again, right? And, and that's somebody's life, right? Life, life, okay? It's not like 
Jesus came and paid like $30,000 for our salvation. It's not like he came and he exchanged a very you know, valuable watch for our, he gave his very own life, the most valuable thing ever, right? And we're seeing now in the news all of the heinous crimes that have been committed, people losing their lives as a result of shootings in schools, people losing their lives as a result of protests, right? And the way that here in this earth, the way that we punish that is through legal action, right? And the penalty, right, for taking somebody else's life is likened to your own life, right? So, so most of those people will get life in prison or in certain states, they may, get, um, they may get electrocuted, right? They may lose their life. But that is how valuable life is, okay? Because when you take away a life, you can't get it back, right? And so over 2,000 years ago, Christ came, died for us, and gave his life so that we might have ours, okay? So as far as I know, that is the most valuable thing in the world. And that is the most valuable thing to me, right? Now, the commitment aspect comes into play when we understand this, right? When something is valuable to us, we don't play around with it, right? We don't, we don't make light of it, right? We protect it, we value it, we commit to it, right? And that is where we are supposed to act, right? And behave as believers, right? The Bible makes it very clear that it's not enough to just come to church it's not enough to participate in worship. It's not enough to just come and maybe set up the chairs, put the podium up here. That's just not enough, right? In other words, a lot of believers try to get by with just contribution, right? So they come to church, they contribute to the body of Christ in whatever way they're asked to, and they just leave it at that, right? Just contribution. There is no sense of commitment to the word of God. There is no sense of commitment to this lifestyle change, right? No commitment because we think that we're getting by with just the little that we're doing, right? But let's read the second part of the parable here. Jesus said again in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Going on to verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into the crates, but threw the bad ones away. This is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked onto the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand these things? So that's, that's where we stand, right? That's, that's essentially the differentiation between the contributors and those who are committed, right? There's this big fishing net that the fisherman throws out into the sea. Whoever gets caught into it, gets caught into it, right? And the fishing net represents the gospel that's been thrown out there in the sea full of people, right? And there are a lot of people who are gonna latch onto it. A lot of people, including us, right? Who are gonna get pulled in, because remember, you. This is not the best analogy because as a fisherman, you want to fish the peep, you want to fish the fish so that you can eventually like sell it and eat it. But in this sense, 
It's Christ being the fisherman to bring those fish closer to him, right? That's essentially what we want. But then the Bible says that that, that it didn't end there, basically. That, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to just get caught because there were some fish that were good and there were some fish that were bad, right? So the world representing, you know, just all the wickedness that exists, right? Very similar to what will probably happen in hell, if not worse, right? Bible describes it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the fisherman throws out his net, everything and everyone who's able to latch on, latches on, then they're brought to shore, brought back into the boat. And in the boat, they're going through, sorting through those fishes, right? Which fish are you going to be characterized as, right? It's not enough to just get caught and sitting in the boat. That's just not enough. Because at some point, the Bible says, God will recognize, right, who you are, right? And he will throw you back out into the sea where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? I don't think any of us want that to be our portion, right? But that is what happens to those who are not fully committed to God. That is what happens to those who are not fully committed to Christ. And it's not meant to scare anybody into loving God. It's not meant to uh, be some sort of tactic to make you like all of a sudden be committed to God. No, it's just something that people need to know. It's the truth. Because what we don't want as teachers is for you to think that your presence here in this space, right, is enough for you, right? It's a daily walk, right? It's a daily commitment to the things of God. And that's what I want to walk through with you guys today here. And then we'll wrap up. So the first thing that we need to, the first thing that we need to do to recognize, right, that we are not fully committed to Christ is to really sort of look internally, right? Look internally into your life look internally into your heart, look internally into your mind, right? This is not really one of those things where it's like, "Mm, I don't really know if this thing that I'm doing is good or bad. We know, right? God has put that moral code inside of all of us. And if for whatever reason you don't think you have it, you can always reference the scripture. The Bible is very clear about what's good and what's bad. The things, even as young people, that we should be doing and the things that we should not be doing. So the first thing that you have to recognize is where are the areas in my life where I fall short, right? Where are the places where God is not pleased with me? What could they be, right? If you have to list them down, list them down. Where are my faults, right? And I'm saying this not like in a, um, I'm not saying this in a casual manner. I think I'm being like very, very literal in this, right? You have to ask yourself, and I do this to me, I do this all the time, right? I ask myself, like, where are my flaws? Where am I falling short? Where am I sinning habitually? Where where am I having these issues, right? And then I take those issues to God. I pray about it, right? And that's why I mentioned in the beginning of this sermon that if you're having issues with the whole worship thing, 
then you really want to make sure you talk to one of the teachers about this so that we can pray for you, right? Because that just represents your communication habit with God, right? If you can't open your mouth to express the praise that God deserves, if you can't open your mouth to pray to God, then that's a big problem. Because one of the first things that I'm suggesting here in terms of having God help you to be more committed to him is by finding the areas where you fall short and then taking those things to God. So if you don't have a way or a mechanism in which you're able to communicate to God and pray to God and it's not difficult for you, then that's something that you want to make sure that we help you with, okay? Because you have to go to God with your brokenness. You have to go to God with your flaws. It could be anything from, Lord, like, when my parents tell me to do this thing, it really makes me mad. And I always, like, yell or I always talk back, right? The Bible is very clear that we should obey our parents. So if that's an area where you fall short, you want to stand in a place where you are fully committed to God. And commitment to God means living out the truths of the scripture. And that means when your parents say something to you that you don't like, you can't just talk back, right? So if that's an issue that you have, you want to make sure that you take it to God. If you have a problem with lying, right? Some people are chronic liars. They lie about everything. You go to school and you want to impress your friends or you want people to think that you're somebody that you're not, you'll lie about everything right lying is a sin guys and lying is the kind of sin that is like cancer right it starts out small and then it grows into something bigger into something that you may not be able to control and now all of a sudden this little white lie has turned into a huge lie that you now have to try to cover up right lying destroys people's lives so if that's a problem that you have and you know that that's separating you from being able to be fully committed to God then you want to take that to God say God I have this problem I lie because of this reason I want to impress people or I'm afraid of what will happen if I tell the truth help me God to do this help me God to be more truthful help me God to be more honest help me God to be more sincere right let's be real some of you guys are not very nice right some of you are bullies, right? When you go to school, you're mean to people or you gossip, you talk about people behind their back or you just love to instigate drama. None of that falls in any type of alignment with the word of God, right? So if we're talking about the fishes that are gonna stay on the boat and not get thrown out into the sea where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, we gotta nip that whole bullying thing out, right? You can't be that person that's constantly in the middle of drama, constantly saying that, oh yeah, she did this or he did that or he said this or she, you can't, you can't be that person, right? Because God wants nothing to do with that person. So if that's you, you wanna make sure that you take something like that to God in prayer, right? Take everything that you're struggling with, everything about yourself that's not good, and take it to God in prayer. Say, God, I want to be a better person. I want to live right. I want to, I want to do this right. And I want to do it because you gave the most valuable thing so that I could have this life. You gave me your life so I could have mine. So now that I have a chance to do better, I want to do better. And I say this to God all the time. I'm like, God, I cannot do it on my own. I can't do it by myself. I need your help, right? And it's a constant prayer that you pray. 
But as you're praying this prayer, God will help you, right? Because it's more so just just having the, the, the mindset, right? Knowing that this is an objective for you, that I want to be better, right? And now all of a sudden, when your parents are upset with you or they say something that you don't like, you learn to just kind of bite your tongue. You learn to just keep quiet, right? And then you walk away or you do what they ask you to do, right? And you, you put yourself in a position where you're a lot more respectful, you're a lot more obedient, and now all of a sudden, all these issues or the confrontations between you and your parents, they, they start to reduce, right? Now your parents maybe start to see that you're, you're doing more around the house or you're doing better with your grades. And so the things that they used to argue with you about, the things that they used to yell at you about, they no longer do, right? but it's a gradual process. And it comes only after we submit sort of these issues before the feet of God, right? With the intention of being fully committed to God. All right, um, the thing that we had mentioned before is the whole idea or the whole concept that simply believing in God or simply coming to church or simply stacking the chairs is just not enough, right? Because there are a lot of evildoers Okay, even Satan himself, who believes in the deity of God, Satan believes in the power of Christ. Satan knows how strong and mighty and even how faithful Christ is. So it's not even a matter of belief, right? It's, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have it shall not perish but have eternal life right there's something deeply connected and rooted to that sense of belief right that it's not the bible says it's not just those who say lord lord who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven it's those who do the will of the father right so execution right we know what the bible says we know that christ is who christ says he is right but but are we going to execute on his word? Are we going to execute on his instructions? Are we going to execute on his plan for our lives? Or are we just going to sit there idle and do absolutely nothing? Because you know, that's, that's a sin too, right? Anything that deviates from what God has planned for us, right, is a sin unto itself, right? So we have to get ourselves out of that thought process or that mindset that, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm good, right? We, we wear it like it's a hat, Right when we come to church, and then when we leave church, we take the hat off, and then we come we come worldly again. Right when we go out to school, or we're out in the world, people are not able to identify us as believers or identify us as Christians because of the way that we carry ourselves. We use all types of slander, right, in our speech. We 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 dress a certain way that is not synonymous to you know how God, how we think maybe God would want us to dress or appear, right? We we talk, right? We we gossip. We do things that are so contrary to the word of God. It makes unbelievers very confused when they see us, right? And in some cases, it even makes them more. It it makes them. It makes, the, it makes the word very unattractive to them, okay? Because here we are saying that you need to do X, Y, and Z, and we can't even do that for ourselves. So we look like hypocrites, right? We are supposed to be representing Christ. We are supposed to be representing the body of God, and we're not even doing that, right? So full commitment to God, full commitment to Christ is a relationship with him. A relationship with him where you're talking to him regularly and you're being mindful 
mindful of the things that he wants you to do, mindful of the way you're supposed to talk and the way you're supposed to act, right? What your daily routine is supposed to look like, right? You're supposed to get up in the morning, maybe go to school, like being responsible, right? Doing your homework. Like, like do you really think that God is pleased with your F? Like, do you really think God is pleased with you coming home, playing video games all day, or being on Instagram, Snapchat all day, and your grades are suffering? Right, do you really think God is pleased with that? Like here you are in probably the greatest country in the world, you've access to the best, most, like the best quality of an education in the world, and God has blessed you with these things, and yet still, you're taking it for granted by wasting the opportunity that he's given you and instead, you know, allowing the devil to distract you. Do you think God is pleased with that? And do you think that represents a life in which you're fully committed to Christ? It doesn't, right? And so that commitment to Christ will be very obvious, right? I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. I'm not saying it's gonna be something that will happen overnight, but it's something that you continue to pursue. It's something that you never let up on because you know that even when, even tomorrow, if you are able to reach this height and then this level with your relationship with Christ, you know there's always this much more to go and it doesn't end, right? The standard is Jesus Christ. That is what we seek to emulate, right? Although we'll never be like Christ or never be completely him and perfectly sinless, we continue to strive towards that, right? And Christ came down on this earth, right? So that we wouldn't just have a book to read, right? We would have a real life example, right? Understanding how he did it, how he carried out his interactions with certain people, right? To know and help us understand how we can do it too. But we see that even in Christ's walk, even in the way that he moved and operated when he was here on this earth, he maintained his relationship with God the Father. He prayed regularly and he led people to God, right? And that is what we are instructed to do as well. That is the requirement that we have in order to be fully committed to God and in order to guarantee our spot in eternity with him, right? And I'm telling you guys this because it doesn't matter how young you are. You know, some people think I'm young, I have time, I'm gonna do what I need to do now. And then maybe when I turn 18, 19, maybe when I go to college, or maybe even after college, then I'll get serious about God, right? But tomorrow is not promised for anybody, right? Look at the four students who lost their life in a tragic school shooting, right? Now, the chances of that happening to any of us in this room is very small. I know that, I recognize that. But people lose their life all the time, right? And for the people who, who don't know God, it's a very, very tragic thing because you don't really know what happens to their soul afterwards. The Bible tells us that they're, they're not gonna be with the Father, right? And so we wanna make sure that, that we're set, right? Come hell or high water, through life or death, right? We are set. Our relationship with God is stone solid, right? That there is nothing that will be able to infiltrate that, right? And even in a time like this, where there's so much influence, heavy influence on the things that we watch and the things that we hear and the things that we do, we want to remain steadfast in our commitment to Christ. 
that there is nothing that can change that, right? All these agendas, the LGBTQ, RSTUV, that, that whole community, we, we don't want anything to do with that, right? And we don't want that to affect, right, our relationship with our maker, right? And I say that because there are a lot of even youths who've come to me and have said, you know, Olivia, like, you know, I get that, like, the Bible says we shouldn't do that and we shouldn't, you know, but they're my friends and they're really nice and they're this and they're that, you know? And, and so that's the devil slowly creeping up into our minds and creeping up and, and, and trying to normalize things that God has made clear from the jump is not okay, right? And there are a lot of things that fall sort of in that same category, right? Things that as young people, we should not be touching or having anything to do with right now, right? And that is what we need to stick to, right? No matter what the world tells us, no matter how tempting it may be, right? There is a reward for those who are fully committed to God. There is a reward for those who are fully obedient to God. And you may not see it today. You may feel like, oh, you're missing out. All the cool kids get to do X, Y, and Z. Look, when I was young, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I did not go to parties. I did not go to parties. Parties to me were just very hot and sweaty and, and, and gross. And I didn't do any of that when I was young, right? Because not only did I not like it, but I knew that there was, there was a lot of influence at those places. There were a lot of people that I probably like, should not have met, right? There are a lot of things that happened that I didn't want to be exposed to, so I didn't do any of that, right? And right now, as a young person, you are highly impressionable, right? All that means is that like science says this, your brain is not even fully developed enough where you have the ability to make fully rational decisions. Like, you, you're not even fully there yet. In other words, the person that you are today, by the time you're my age, you will be a completely different person, completely different thought process, completely different way of thinking. And so that's why we warn against you guys being so young, making decisions that have long-term effects on your life. Because when you're my age and you look back to where you are now, you'll say, man, I wish I didn't do that. Or man, I regret saying that. Or I regret engaging in this sort of thing. Because all these things kind of catch up on you, right? But if you're young and you're able to stay fully committed to God, again, not saying it's going to be easy, but you have the mindset, right? To be committed, right? To be obedient to the best of your ability. And you have support. If you need any of your teachers, we're all here to support you, right? You, you can set up a group with some of your friends here in the youth, right? To set accountability, right, amongst one another, to make sure if one person slips, all right, we got you. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna try to help edify you, right? All those things that can be done to help support you and help keep you in a place where you don't slip up, right? Where you don't fall into the world, right? So I just want you guys to keep those things in mind. I want you to hold on to it, right? Don't leave this place and go back to your old ways and leave this place and just go back to living your regular mundane life. Like make an active choice to be committed to Christ, right? Say, I'm not just gonna contribute to the body of Christ or contribute to the things of God or sprinkle a prayer here in the morning and sprinkle a prayer there when I can, right? Say, I'm gonna embed this into my entire life and I'm gonna make this a part of who I am because 
Nobody knows tomorrow, right? And all we know is that we have a God that is good and a God who wants to see us through this journey. So I want that to be your prayer and that's gonna be my prayer for you all as well, amen? Let's pray. I want you to just think about Think about what was spoken today. Think about the word that came.